everybody. Happy Monday or happy whatever day it is that you're listening to this. I hope everyone is having a beautiful week. Thank you for joining us for another conversation of As It Goes. If you're new here, I'm Lydia and you know, we're all just figuring out as it goes and conversations help us along the way. Today's conversation, I am joined by Caitlin Duquette of Bloodroot Apothecary. We are talking all things plants and herbalism in this fertile conversation. (laughs) See what I did there? Fertile plants. This is an incredibly expansive and enriching chat. So I will just let you get into it without further ado. It's so funny, like when we connected and I realized that you're on Maui. I'm currently trying to figure out where I'm moving to next. And so Hawaii has been, I think, on the forefront. And anything that gives me a sign that's like, Hawaii, I'm like, I see you, universe. I'll take it. I'm so curious. Like, tell me about Maui. Tell me about life there. Oh, for sure. I mean, um... I was born and raised here on Maui, and mm-hmm. my family's been here for a while, since the early 1800s, so, yeah, we've been here for a minute, and, you know, I, I don't know, I am so in love with this place, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing, and, um, but, you know, a lot has changed mm-hmm. with the pandemic, and, um, it's just really interesting trying to navigate that, mm-hmm. um, like we've been seeing an influx of tourism mm-hmm. and you know an influx of just like new people coming right. in and just you know seeing the impacts on the land and also the people too right it's been really interesting and um i don't know a lot of changes for sure for sure um but yeah i mean i as no matter what I've done to try to move somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't seem to right. leave Maui. <laughs> and so, you know, eventually I'm just like, okay, whatever, I get it. Like, <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I feel like the island of Maui, like people who come here, whether they're conscious of it or not, they come to heal. Mm. And whatever way that shows up, too. And it's definitely a place to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm just so in love with this place. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Have, have you been to Hawaii? I haven't. No, okay. no. I have friends that have and obviously okay. speak, you know, such incredible things about it. And there's a lot of people that I follow that you know, are from Hawaii, native to Hawaii. And yeah, so I mean, also, do you feel like the influx, because I've heard about that, like the influx of tourism and everything. And obviously, as someone who would even consider spending time there, I think it's so important to honor the land and honor the fact that I would be just a visitor. And I think that education aspect of it too is really important at least to me prior to going somewhere and do you feel like there's consciousness in you know the way people visitors are like showing up there do you feel like for the most part what you've seen is just 
an influx and, you know, that lack of respect and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, like, thank you for being so mindful mm. of, you know, right. <laughs> how you're approaching, you know, the slot and this pool to Hawaii, like that in itself just means so much. Mm. Um, as far as, you know, just seeing the consciousness of, uh, people coming in the visitors it's really interesting i've been doing this little experiment lately um we i feel like our hawaii has been open for a very long time mm-hmm. just like in terms of the pandemic and stuff and right. it really blew our minds we weren't ready for it and you know we're still processing a lot before the pandemic like mm-hmm. things that happened before it things that happened during it right. and since we had a glimpse of the way that things could possibly be during the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, the ease and the community and the wellness and being able to enjoy our island, that coupled in with the quickness of, mm-hmm. you know, um, authorities opening up Hawaii again mm-hmm. for the tourist industry, like, our minds are kind of blown right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, it was navigating around that because I was, there was a time I was so frustrated and just like in such deep grief. Right. So I'd be driving around and I mean, I'm, you know, I always try to stay centered from a place of compassion and understanding right. with anybody who, right. who comes in, you know, come ahead, like in the <laughs> show, like <laughs> it's great. Right, right. Um, but I found myself just really focusing on really harmful things mm. um, and seeing a lot of things, you know, that cause harm and then that mm-hmm. uh, just kind of like, you know, cycles in myself and then just right. create and then you just keep going with this. And so I was like, I, my heart can't handle this, right. first of all. I know that everyone else can't handle this, but what can I do? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I can't stop the planes. I can't, you know. Right. You know, so I'm like, okay, how can I change this myself? Mm-hmm. So I um, prayed yeah. and, <laughs> yep. and, you know, started seeing, okay, people with, you know, stepping into consciousness, you know, aware people, like visitors who are aware mm-hmm. and, you know, um, are very careful with themselves how they are walking in this place and how they interact with others and I tell you what like my experience shifted instantly that's beautiful Um, and so it's been a really big uh and I guess uh lesson yeah yeah and you know shifting what I want to see in myself and you Mm -hmm. know others Mm -hmm. um I want to create that reality Mm -hmm. and also um you know just in the context of what's going on just how to not fix it but you know find the loopholes around right all the things right right no i can only imagine that's that's it's so hard to you know as again as i can imagine feel helpless and also hurt by that yeah that's but it's so beautiful that you know you're able to do what you needed to do to honor how it was sitting within you and that shift is, you know, it's not necessary, but... Yeah, and it's, you know, 
it's not easy. I mean, it's, you know, when you do it, it's one of the easier things to do mm-hmm. instead of, like, ramming your head against the wall. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> you know, right. And all of these just weird, yucky thoughts. But, you know, it's like, okay, how, I just want to have fun and enjoy the place and see the beauty and everything. And um, and everyone has the right to, to do that. Right. And experience the beauty in the place that you're at and, you know, offer gratitude and all that. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And at the same time, I feel like it's important, especially from a visitor's perspective, to understand, again, the impact of our actions. Because as I say all the time on the podcast, right, what we do and where our money goes is like a vote for or against something. And so, you know, the more demand there is for plane tickets, the more demand there is for hotel rooms, for, you know, real estate, luxury real estate, the more that has consequences to the people that actually live there and who actually call this place home. And that's, you know, again, for me, I think such a valuable lesson for anyone in my sort of position, because we all have to consider that. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. And I mean, that's totally valid and I hear you and you know what comes to mind is like you know there's a point where okay how am I perpetuating harm how do I not but also right. how do I not drag myself in the dirt right yeah <laughs> you know what I mean I feel like you know you could do a lot with what's your intention behind all this mm-hmm. like what's your, are you mindful of mm-hmm. how you are how you're walking in this place mm-hmm. um and then you know you're spending money or experiencing something mm-hmm. just absolutely like incredible in this place like what's your intention behind it right how are you honoring the people of the land mm-hmm. and all that so yeah yeah thank you for that speaking of dirt yeah let's get dirt. into it <laughs> I started learning, educating myself, you know, herbalism 101 (laughs) during the pandemic because I had such a curiosity about it and I have so many questions throwing through my head right now. I think for me, the curiosity came from a more extreme place where I already had a pretty solid ground education on psychedelics and plant medicine in that field. Obviously, I think that's, I don't want to say an extreme, but it's a a different type of plant medicine. And so I wanted to learn about what are the other aspects of this? Because if there are those healing plants and modalities, then what are the other modalities? And as someone who had been on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication and as someone who sees the flaws, especially in Western medicine, as being so prescriptive and pharmaceutical, how can we balance and how can we, you know, come back to the earth in that sense and get closer to something that might make more sense for us as animals? Yeah, so that was kind of my my little path here. And I wanted to start by sharing something, a powerful statement that's on Bloodroot Apothecary's website, which it'll be linked in the description. At its roots, herbalism is a radical act. It's one of the many ways of abolishing oppressive systems and reclaiming sovereignty of our health, bodies, spirit, and land. Can you 
expand on that and just share with us what that means to you and what herbalism means to you? Absolutely. You know, humans and non-humans, we've been practicing herbalism since forever. It's something that's, you know, widely accessible by nature and it's inherently ours to work with. And, you know, I feel like in the last few hundred years, we started seeing, uh, you know, a lot of changes in the human world. And um, a lot of that looked like, you know, medicalization of just regular biological processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, I love modern medicine. I think the technologies that are coming out of it and, you know, have been helping us are so incredible mm-hmm. groundbreaking just absolutely out of this world so i mean mm-hmm. i am all for biomedicine allopathic medicine however i start having issues when it's used as a form of social control mm-hmm. will you elaborate on that for anyone who's not not with you on that <laughs> yeah for sure um for example like you know something that we're all familiar with whether or not we, you know, read the history or experience, you know, current manifestations of these traumas, but mm-hmm. the witch hunts of mm-hmm. early Europe, mm-hmm. you know, healers and a majority were women um, were practicing medicine amongst the peasants. And these women, you know, they're helping their their community, helping their people and there was wellness and Basically, long story short, it got to a point where there was so many social uprisings and the elite upper class were being challenged um, and threatened. Mm -hmm. And so the only way for them to maintain dominance and control was to destroy these people who had this knowledge of, you know, medicine, of taking care of the community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not easy to talk about. We see a lot of that today still. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's an old old story Mm -hmm. that's a great example an unfortunate example but i think that really can help people grasp what it is that that means i think that we see this too today in the way that herbalism in western culture in the states regards it in the sense of like it's woo woo degrades it in that sense and i think that's just another form of it of just controlling how people perceive it yeah absolutely um fortunately or unfortunately i mean you know herbalism is it's so widely accessible like we use it as we cook Mm -hmm. like in the kitchen we can go out and buy tea right anytime we want and i mean it doesn't have to be like the physical uh, properties of plants that we use like plant medicine can go so many different ways like you go and sit under a tree meditate with the tree just connect in these different ways and yeah I feel like you know just putting the label on it as unsafe or you know illogical and irrational mm-hmm. kind of plants to seed in our minds that oh yeah no we don't we don't go there we don't access these medicines but I don't know I feel like the plants are definitely running the ship at this point and it's so interesting now like so many people are you know coming back and having an interest in plant medicine Mm -hmm. and I feel like 
I don't know, it's so important, it's so needed. Yeah. How would you define herbalism? What is herbalism? Oh, yeah. So basically, herbalism is uh, the practice of using plants to aid the body in reaching and maintaining balance and wellness. This includes like the physical, emotional, spiritual aspects of a being. And basically, you know, plant medicine, it creates a space for us to facilitate our own healing. Um, it's, there's no like, you know, special pill. There's no one herb that's going to cure everything which is great. Um, <laughs> super fun. Um, but, you know, it's a reminder that, you know, we're responsible for our own healing and that this process is dependent entirely on you. What goals you set for yourself, the intent behind these goals and how you use the plants and, you know, working with the herbs and working with an herbalist are just ways to kind of guide you to these places. And I mean, there's so many, like I said, so many different ways. So like the plants, you have like the physical components of extracts, oxymels, like like infusions. You could do dried herbal capsules. Um, Of course, teas, um, plant essences, which is like the energetic imprint of a plant. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, with the essences, like I said earlier, like you don't have to actually extract the physical constituents of the plant and other ways you could do that is you know sitting with the plant chilling out with it and then of course like there's kitchen medicine mm-hmm. all that good stuff i love that you said you described sitting under a tree and meditating with the tree as medicine because i mean for me that's something that's a feeling that i can totally identify with and i'm sure a lot of people can but have i ever considered that medicine no am i aware of how it elevates my well-being and how it uplifts me and you know those dimensions that you were talking about absolutely so i think that's a really for anyone listening that you know might not have considered this there's an example right there of how it's already probably part of your life yeah absolutely and you know i feel like plant medicine and it being you know this radical act of finding liberation something as simple as meditating with the tree for medicine it sounds super out there but i mean it's also deconstructing a lot of pre-programmed ideas around medicine around mm-hmm. health and receiving care absolutely we've talked about this on the podcast previously about food and food being medicine I mean, again, just to reiterate what you said, it's all about our active role in our health and well-being, you know, on all of those dimensions, emotional and spiritual included, is not a passive thing. Something that I want to highlight is I think that just because one talks of herbalism and a naturalistic way of healing, it doesn't mean that we're going to throw Western medicine out with the bathwater, you know? There's a lot of benefits to it, but I think that a negative to it is the fact that my experience with it and my understanding of it is that it's very after the fact. If there's an injury, then we intervene. If there's an illness, then we intervene. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you could highlight that difference with herbalism where it sounds like it's just 
really about a way of life and a way of incorporating it into our practices for our well-being. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you put all that together. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I feel herbalism is, you know, a form of preventative Mm -hmm. medicine. And, you know, it does become a lifestyle because I feel like you get to a point when you're working with the plants where you feel you feel good, you feel connected, mm-hmm. and um, that gets addicting. <laughs> That's real nice. <laughs> Especially being a modern human, you know what I mean? Right, right. Oh my god, I can just, I see it, and I can just imagine the feeling. Yeah, totally. You know, you brought up, uh, like, you know, using allopathic medicine, you know, as a way you know okay we need to stop this thing now and um intervene and treat the symptoms right right just kind of surface level stuff Mm -hmm. instead of Mm -hmm. you know like herbalism getting to the root and preventing and what comes up for me around that is you know also access and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know what i mean with uh you know those who practice herbalism because we basically have no choice Mm. um some of us still do not have access to care, health care, mental health care, you know, things like that. And mm-hmm. so herbalism does become a way of life for us. And it's important to highlight that, you know, for a lot of people, it's the only option. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of safety in that. And also, you know, a lot of ways that it could go in other directions. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I think that, you know, it's really important, again, to honor for those of us who are like, ooh, what's herbalism? I want to educate myself about that. I think it's really important to, again, hold space and be serious about the origins of it and also the ways in which people are marginalized to practice it because of the way you know, again, the state's healthcare system and, you know, lack of affordability in terms of uh, access to healthcare is. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I love what you said about getting to the root because what I'm building with Reself and this platform that I'm creating is really all about, again, the way that we take an active role in our healing, our well being, and our evolution. Surely a mental health aspect, but also the spiritual in it as just simply a dimension of humanity and bringing that back in again with. So I studied philosophy in college and limited to Western philosophy. And the reason I went into it was because I connected with Buddhism when I was like 12. And I was so blown away with how much I resonated with the philosophy and took every opportunity I could to educate myself about it up until college. And then I got to college, I studied philosophy. And I was like, where, where are all the other perspectives? Where is, you know, the, the spiritual wisdom here? And so you know, with Reself, it's really about bridging Western and Eastern, all different philosophies, finding that, you know, perennial philosophy, those common grounds, 
honoring all different philosophies from all over the world as having something to teach us. Merging and marrying them with science, with psychology, with neuroscience, and highlighting those practices that we can all do to support all of those elements as getting to the root and, you know, those preventative and holistic ways of supporting ourselves. So yeah, completely aligned with that. Getting to the root is my slogan. It's yes. so important. Yes. I love that. Yeah, get to the root. Hang out with roots. <laughs> Literally, that's what I thought about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So on the subject, because we already talked about this, if anyone listening has any sort of skepticism to just not quite understanding something that I learned a few years ago in one of my environmentalism classes, which I think really planted that seed of curiosity in me, was that the key ingredient in aspirin is from plants. So I thought that that was something that I wanted to highlight for anyone that's, you know, not quite on board yet, because other than chemicals that we create, I mean, life 101, <laughs> everything comes from the earth and it comes from plants. So what you're really doing here is you're getting at the source. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the molecular level of a lot of these pharmaceuticals that we take on the reg. These are man-made constituents, but we get the blueprint from plants, mm -hmm. and we get the blueprints from nature, mm -hmm. um, and that's essentially the root of <laughs> <laughs> There it is. <laughs> How did you get into herbalism? And, you know, I'm just curious, I love hearing people's stories and I wonder if you would grace us with your story and journey to where you are today. Sure, thank you for the opportunity to. I don't, I don't know, I was thinking about this earlier, I'm like, <laughs> how did I get here? <laughs> like, what just happened? <laughs> how did I get here? So, like, with that, I don't, I don't really know, like, uh, there was no aha moment like mm -hmm, oh, mm -hmm. I want to get herbalism you know practice herbalism um, right I feel like I just kind of oozed into it mm -hmm. in a sense I've always had a curiosity for a natural world for medicine and for just the plants and beings around me I don't know as far as I can remember right um as a kid I have really good memories of cultivating relationships with plants that are nearby and I mean that looked like cooking ancestral foods like with my family mm -hmm. with my mom my aunties my grandma um making lay mm -hmm. uh, and then also you know ceremonies such as you know, graduation blessings or family gatherings mm -hmm. which I feel like you know like working with plants it's a really big part of the culture here mm -hmm. and just how we you know connect with the land and steward the land yeah i've always had an interest in plants and various forms of medicine and i think that stemmed from being a really really ill child mm. growing up you know my 
family were just it was just standard American diet. Um, mm-hmm. Like our biome was totally shot at like a young age, and mm-hmm. I was always always sick. And my parents, I remember them getting to a point they were so frustrated, and you know we'd be going to the doctor so often, and my dad just like he's like, nope, none of this, we're done. And I mean for them, they're just so hardworking. They made the switch from like insured allopathic care to naturopathic care, which was a really big jump for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're just like, you know, regular old folks and totally, I think it totally changed their perspective of reality and mm. health and healing too. And so I was really privileged to be able to work with, you know, naturopaths, chiropractors and various practitioners of alternative medicine at a young age so I was exposed to that really mm-hmm. um, and that has always kind of stuck with me which I'm really grateful for but yeah as far as you know actually utilizing plants and herbs to uh, support others in their healing process I would say for me it started about 10 years ago uh, I used to I used to care for and train horses. Hmm. I'm a total pony princess. Like, I am <laughs> obsessed. Like, not many people know this about me, but... <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, cultivating the relationship with the horses and um, my role with them at the time, I would always end up the ones who were labeled crazy, traumatized, <laughs> you know, damaged, just kind of thrown away. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like, you know stuff, like, you're really cool, you're super talented, and you're cute. Um, there's there's got to be more. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're not having fun. Like, I know you could have fun. Right. <laughs> so um, I was able to use herbs with these animals and facilitate, you know, safe trusting spaces for them to work through their traumas, however that looked like. And, you know, utilizing the plants and plant medicine through that. In that space, I utilized a lot of flower essences because they're so sensitive and really responsive. And then, you know, with more physical ailments such as ulcers or wounding, skin issues, then I'll use, I used to use, like, the physical constituents of the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then like through, you know, herbs and, you know, the greater team that goes into taking care of horses, you know, such as farrier, body worker, right. SEO, stuff like that. It's right. not just solely on one person right. or one practice. It's an accumulation of so many things. Oh my God. But yeah, we have just seen like these really groundbreaking results with these like thrown away. Right and that definitely ignited a lot of things within me like as far as you know creating the space for others to, to heal mm. and utilizing the plants in that space too and so that kind of inspired me to go to university I went to university at a later age um, I just wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing even though I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Do we all? Um, yeah, it's totally winging it. Um, and so I was inspired to, you know, pursue medicine, mm. studying medicine. And so as I began studying 
pre-medicine, I simultaneously began studying or like self-studying plant medicine Mm -hmm. and herbalism intended for humans. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. 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 Totally just flashed (laughs) past all the things. Wow. First of all, I think obviously at the time, right? And I think all of us can relate to with adversity in our lives. It's hard to see it at the time, but how beautiful that that led you to where you are. And I can relate to that in, in my own life, in my own way. And I think it's really beautiful when we transform pain in one way or another into a path. And how lucky those horses were to have you and the people that held space for them because I feel like that's certainly not the case in some of those situations. I grew up in an area where racing horses and doing that whole thing is a thing in Connecticut. Those horses can be very mistreated and just seen as one thing, you know, profit. And uh, that's very traumatizing for, I mean, any animal in any situation like that. That's so beautiful that you were a part of not giving up on something or someone that otherwise could have been discarded. Yeah, um, thank you for that. You know, working with animals, just in general, they're, they're mirrors for us. Anyone who you interact with is a mirror, but you know that animals definitely amplify that because they don't have... Uh, the ability to speak in words that we understand, you know, Mm. how you and I are doing it right now. And so it definitely, you know, working with them activates a lot more your senses. And just what comes to mind right now is just, you know, of course, that's just one example of how to work, you know, amongst a team, how to hold space for others and, you know, utilize the tools that you have available. And that translates into the human world too a lot of what i see when i work with others in that sort of space is you know an exact mirror image of when i work with the horses Mm -hmm. creating trusting safe spaces to come and do your thing yeah so important i and i love that you highlighted that not just other people, but animals also are a mirror for us. And as you said that, I thought about how my dog has done that for me and the ways in which, I mean, after childhood, after trauma, you know, all that jazz, I learned just how, I mean, in a positive sense, how attuned I could be to someone's needs and my own. But in a in a more you know learning sense how I wasn't and how I still had stuff to work on within myself to be able to obviously again take care of his needs but how was I still not honoring my needs or holding enough space and stillness and presence to hear and feel what he's communicating to me and again vice versa within myself yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
feel like our animal can, you know, they're such, I don't know who's helping who heal mm-hmm. the most <laughs> anymore. Here we are, you know, creating such a fuss out of trying to help them, but then really, like, here we are just totally, like, in our own tense little bodies <laughs> 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 themselves and <laughs> kind of wallowing in our own traumas. But, mm. yeah, they definitely, um, you know, reflect back just mm. not only what we need to fix, heal, whatever you want to call it, but also, like, what's happening right now mm-hmm. and as well as just go and enjoy life go yeah. like <laughs> right it doesn't have to always be about fixing feeling stuff like right. just go play go enjoy like have fun mm-hmm. hurt, don't hurt nobody but go have fun right let go flow yeah. trust I would love to hear about what you kind of explained your current studies and lens of exploration with is on the Bloodroot Apothecary website. You said that you're, you know, currently exploring the sociological, historical, and political implications of health and healing within the cultural context of your home, Hawaii. That is, I love, I want to hear what, what is, you know, I know it's not simple at all, but I would love to hear about what that intersection and those implications are and, and what your current lens and exploration has yielded for your understanding. Absolutely. And I mean, it is so, you know, complex and ever-changing, but at the same time, it's so simple, um, which just totally racks my mind. <laughs> Basically, when I was going into this degree program, first of all, it was, you know, one of the ones that I actually had access to that I could utilize these skills mm-hmm. um, in the direction that I wanted to go in mm-hmm. with a vocation. And so I basically was able to design this program around medicine. And, you know, as I was doing, like, the hard sciences and maths and stuff Mm -hmm. in medicine, I saw in a lot of, you know, myself and a lot of my peers who were going through the pre-med journey that, you know, here's these, like, super nerds who are really good at, you know, science and math, STEM, all those things. Mm -hmm. But also there's, I don't know, there was a lot of puzzles puzzle pieces missing Mm -hmm. um I felt and you know as I worked with physicians like I worked in the ER for a little bit too I saw that a lot of them did have you know a lot of heart and really mindful of their practice however there was just so many things missing in that space Mm -hmm. that was intended for healing Mm -hmm. which I needed to investigate more of so I basically designed you know my my major around herbalism. <laughs> Amazing. It's it's incredible that you were able to do that because, you know, I could imagine, depending on the university, that might not even be possible again here in, in the West and the States. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it was one of the things where I know I was just 
kind of greedy with it. And, you know, I have, I have so many options and I have the privilege of having the options of being able to study, you know, these really incredible things and obtain these skills. But I was like, okay, where's my interest going? Right. Like, where is that going? And I got really real with myself. Um, but yeah, and that kind of led me towards, you know, studying the sociological, historical, political implications of how we in Hawaii either do or do not have access to health and healing. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. It's definitely, I mean, like, the information is dense, but also it strikes a lot of chords and a lot of nerves within me, just as someone whose family has been here for right. you know, a, a little while, who's experienced a lot of harm and justices firsthand. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, or have experienced the consequences of these systemic legacies that are in place, mm-hmm. whose intentions are not entirely good. Right. So it's still a learning process for me when I'm in that learning space. Mm. And I feel like, you know, for me, it's important to understand the blueprint to an extent. Mm hmm. Where you know I look at it objectively instead of mm. you know reabsorbing it mm. and reliving it. it Got to be real careful with that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really challenging. Like I have gone through so many anti-anxiety nerving herbs. <laughs> I'm sure throughout this and like oh my god, it's amazing. But yeah, so I don't know. I I go back and forth with all of this mm-hmm. often. And I feel like, yeah, you know, understanding the blueprint of, you know, how the majority of us are operating on this certain level and also the why mm-hmm. um, just kind of, I don't know, it, it reveals the baby steps of, you know, how to create the spaces that we want to see, mm-hmm. um, the lives that we want to live, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, how do we find liberation mm-hmm. and freedom and wellness and all of these things, you know, in the context of our modern world, just what mm-hmm. is happening now. So yeah. that's um, my thoughts for <laughs> today. I'm going to change tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> it's an evolution. Wow. I mean, first of all, I can totally imagine. I mean, that that sort of separation, like you said, that is required to not reabsorb as you reprocess but also i mean it's beautiful that it reveals a path forward to you does it feel like when you study it and when you know again as the path reveals itself in that sense does it is it empowering is it what is that process like for you um, oh boy, it's really interesting. I feel like, you know, a lot of this information that I receive about the past, the history, mm-hmm. and, you know, how all the things lead up to the things and right. all that. Um, if I'm really intentful and careful with myself, you know, I find it as a form of healing. Mm. Um, and to go a little deeper, it's, you know, ancestral healing too. Right. Yeah. The process for me in terms of ancestral healing with all of this, right. it definitely brings up a lot 
of emotions, a lot mm-hmm. of really uncomfortable emotions mm-hmm. too. But you know, it's opportunities to work with them mm-hmm. and to be able to hold space for yourself to work with them. And it's a lot, and you know, it's okay. And you know, utilizing the tools that you have, the plants that are near you, mm. and your community. But it does tend to switch us up a lot of really uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Um, but also in that, you know, it's an opportunity to let it go. Mm-hmm. And like when these things come up, like it wants to be worked with, it wants to be acknowledged, whether it's you or somebody else who's of you. Right. And, you know, it's getting to the root. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, after like the processing and, you know, metabolizing all these things i always come out feeling extremely energized and very Mm. motivated and inspired that feels really nice that's beautiful yeah it's so important it's something that i absolutely hold space for and with reself it's something that again we absolutely incorporate in in what we're creating because i think some of us can feel like we have been presented the opportunity to heal our ancestral trauma and heal our intergenerational trauma and i say opportunity because at the same time it can feel like a huge burden and again that reprocessing that reliving that is so difficult but you know what you just shared is so inspiring for any of us that feel like they're doing that work or they that work is the path in front of them because it really everything gets passed along until it stops with someone and that's the beautiful opportunity we can each have and that is what makes a difference in the world and makes the world a better place that's my philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for the plants for helping us keep our shit together. <laughs> Speaking again of the plants, could you talk about Bloodroot Apothecary and tell us a little bit more about, about that? Absolutely. Bloodroot Apothecary, oh god, I don't It's, you know, fairly new. I started publicly sharing mm-hmm. some of these offerings. When was it? It was before the pandemic, but not too much before. Mm-hmm. That time was so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I started as just like kind of an herb and art project. Um, mm. And they called it, what did I call it? I called it Blast and Ritual. Mm. And, you know, that was kind of a little space for me to just kind of cultivate this creative fire that I had lost along the way and to mm-hmm. you know, get back in touch with the plants and natural world and, and with my local community. Mm-hmm. And so that for a minute and did that through the beginning of the pandemic and started seeing, oh, like this, there's a, there's a need for this, like in my community for these offerings and stuff. And just kind of, I don't know, tweaking my mindset around that and um, eventually came up with the Bloodroot Apothecary uh, later of 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so is creating the foundation, the detail work of it. But basically, it's a container for, you know, what the plants have to offer us. And I 
intently focus on community herbalism, providing access to quality care for those of, those of us who may not have access to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, currently through it, I offer um, a small product line of bioregionally available and safely cultivated and achieved plants, as well as some you know plants who I try to source as ethically as I can from the mainland. Right. And then I also offer consultations to people in my local community. It's kind of the the capacity I have as of yet. But yeah, my practice with all that is, you know, focus on local community, both human and non-human kin. And, you know, that includes everyone, humans, the critters, um, the water, the land, ancestors, you know, those who we kind of forgot how to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's just kind of, you know, the way it's it's moving right now. And it's super fun. It's so it's so interesting, like starting a business and you know kicking off a project. You know you have all these plants and you know sell your intentions and whatever, and then you get to the place and it's like, yeah, you thought <laughs> you got to go over here. You need to do this there. And it's like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I I love. I'm really touched by how community-based what you're doing is because that's not necessarily the capitalistic path, so to speak. And I think that, again, just as you said, like it's a radical way to oppose an oppressive system. And it's a really meaningful way to touch and help people and strengthen community yeah thank you you know i feel that that also applies to the things that you're building and what you're mm-hmm. doing too shucks i love it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean community first in hawaii that's that's a hana that's family mm-hmm and without our community, we would be nothing, we would be nobody. And, you know, community has definitely come through a lot stronger. Like, we were already pretty solid before the pandemic, but um, through all of it, and as we continue on through it, the community is, you know, a form of insurance for mm. us. And so really focusing on that has, you know, directly not only my practice, and my studies, but also, you know, revealing a lot of how do I want to show up and mm. who do I want to show up for, um, who do I have the capacity to show up for. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's all this great trippy learning process <laughs> that is of being human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I get it. I get it. And it's, I think it's, really beautiful to witness for anyone who doesn't feel like they have community and doesn't feel like they fit anywhere because I mean I think the magic of the internet right I'm a big internet hater 
<laughs> I'm building an internet company, but I'm a big, I'm a big internet hater. Just the way that it's used currently, because I think that it's really, for me, it's really easy to see the potential that we can do great things with it. I mean, it's Catch-22, like everything, right? And, and one of the beautiful things is that it can really bring people together who otherwise wouldn't have met like us having this conversation right now and that's beautiful and incredible and we can use things like this to build and foster community and meaningful connection beyond the screen as well I mean for me that's the most important part is I consider reself and otherwise what what we're living on a screen and there's so much and I think a lot of people realize this. I mean, I certainly was reminded of, even for my yoga practice, right? Not doing yoga physically together in a space with other people with the same intentions, with the same, you know, it's just completely different. And to me, it loses a really incredibly important element. It's ineffable in a sense, but what happens when we get together when we sit under a tree and meditate what happens in the physical you know philosophically speaking is so important i don't think it's talked about enough but we can't do without it yeah especially like where we are now i mean it would be absolutely wonderful just to get off the internet and <laughs> right like screens i mean this is seriously a dream of mine just to have a landline and a fax machine and, like yeah <laughs> but i mean like the fact is like it's right not going away so right. it's not going away but like you said it's like you know how do you use this with intent how mm-hmm. do you use these methods of communication as a tool mm-hmm. to recreate reality Mm-hmm. to allow us, you know, the opportunities to gather and be together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, I love it. It's <laughs> 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 being about it. He's like, he's like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, okay. This is my last, my last question. What do you see the role and future role of herbalism in both personal and societal well-being good question yeah i feel like you know plants are definitely driving the ship at this point Mm -hmm. whether we know it or not whether we want to or not and we're currently seeing a lot of people like we talked about earlier with you know this really intense new inspiration and interests about herbalism or just working with the plants in general. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, we're definitely, we should definitely nourish that. And, you know, realize that, yes, we, we are, I definitely see us, you know, getting to a point where we're consciously working with plants and the natural world around us more so. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are already, but, you know. And, you know, we never know, we might get to a point where we have to heavily rely on herbs and alternative medicines. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of you know my teachers say the same thing um if you have an interest in these things go for it mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. we need you mm-hmm. it's not a passing fleeting thought like we seriously need you mm-hmm. um here on the ground doing this work so mm-hmm. like don't it's okay don't feel guilty for like denying it or, or not denying it but yeah and you know i feel like both on a personal and societal level, like the plants are going to continue to hold us in this, you know, unwinding and in this hmm. reshaping of our world and recreating it. Just gently holding the space for us to, to come back, come back to ourselves. Yeah, that's beautiful. As you're talking, it reminded me of so. Part of what I thought was my path was going to get my PhD in philosophy. For me, something that I came across was this stark, I don't want to, it's not like a resistance, but this contrast between my interests in philosophy, in bridging the East and the West and all of that, that there were very limited opportunities for me especially in the states with programs to find someone that could support me and as I dabbled in this and tried to kind of is resell really my path my thought I was gonna get a PhD and I wrote and worked on my writing sample which was a critique of how Kant an epitome and perhaps you could say figure of Western philosophy talks about nature in, I'm pretty sure it's the critique of judgment. He talks about nature's purposiveness, which is basically a fancy way of saying like the purpose of nature. And it's really super anthropocentric for anyone who doesn't know what that word means, human centered. And as I sat with this and after I put that paper down as I was working on it, I asked myself, is this, you know, obviously, you know, it's not Kant's fault, but is this thinking part of what has led us to this huge imbalanced relationship with nature, to our ecological climate, to profit over balance and health and honoring that that system and honoring, you know, like we talked about, those ineffable spiritual energetic benefits to communing with nature and absorbing the wisdom that billions of years of evolution hold within a singular planet. And I I just couldn't help but feel like that was a huge thing to ponder about where we've reached in the world. And I think that exactly like you said before, it's just so important and it's just so i believe essential for us to reconsider our relationship with nature and it starts with a new philosophy of nature of rewriting nature's purposiveness because philosophy is the foundation on top of which all else is built and operates whether we act like it or not philosophy also looks at how we act and what do we have to say about these observations So I think it's philosophy's responsibility 
to play an active role in redefining the essential role of our interconnectedness, utilizing wisdom and perspectives from all over the world, the East, the West, indigenous peoples who have a completely different, more connected relationship with nature, etc. We can't just keep rereading the same people. We have to reread these people like my, I believe, my reading of Kant and look at it and say, how has this informed the world we live in today? What role does this philosophy play in the world I'm seeing around me? And what needs to change and evolve in this thinking to address where we are today? I think that's how we use older philosophies. That's how we keep them relevant. That's how we rewrite them. But I digress. I mean, pre the epitome of the environmental crisis, I think I felt like this as a child, right? Like we have, I think as children, special for anyone who is privileged enough to have access to nature, a special relationship with it. And depending on whether our communities or our environments uh, hold space for that or not, we might lose touch with it. But it's so important to reconsider what knowledge we value, what influences our thinking, and what can reestablish that balance. And like you said, I think if I'm summarizing, right, herbalism is a huge part of that rebalancing. That was great. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I've been dying, I needed to get it out, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, oh my god, that was, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, what comes to mind is, you know, we could be a study and ponder these things and, you know, mm. go over and over again. And, you know, we're careful not to absorb and recreate it. I just love you know, the, the simplicity that the practice of mm. herbalism offers. It's just so, like, I don't know, it's so simple. Right. <laughs> and it's like, hey, get back to this. Mm-hmm. The simplicity. Remember who you are mm-hmm. and what you are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know, just the word simplicity comes to mind. I love that. That's like, as you said before, being with the plants and what it just does with you, for you, to just be in that presence. And, right, like, it's simple in that sense. It's so, I listened to this podcast called Hardcore Literature, and the guy who does it, he talks about, like, his time at Oxford, and he I love how he talks about how they used to talk, and he calls it mental masturbation. Just all in the head, doing nothing with anything, and that's also how I felt about my study of philosophy, and that's also what really has directed reself, because I, in my own life, like, as I went to class, yeah, I was going to class to learn and whatever, finish my degree, but I was like, what am I learning today that I can apply to my life and help me live a better life? Like, what can I take from this and put into action? And, you know, as you just said, it's that simple. It's as simple as communing with nature, communing with plants, communing with herbs. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's as simple as, you know, sometimes you just got to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Take a back seat. Like, chill out. (laughs) Yeah. 
a lot of the formulations that I make for others, like you could go through, is the art of formulation. It's, mm. just, it's so fun. I love that book so much. Um, <sighs> but, you know, you could get to these really intense, you know, the subconscious in a formulation for a person. But, you know, what really gets into the places that are really hard to reach and mm. are, you know, these formulas that are so simple. Um, just like one to two, three mm-hmm. ingredients, plants, essences, you know, whatever. And, you know, taking that low doses, like, I don't know, you usually see profound change in results through the simpler things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have two questions that come to mind. First, the formulation process just sounds so fun. For me, I relate to like creating a perfume. Like, what are those things you're going to put into it? How do you, what's your process when you think about it? What are you weighing when you're thinking about what you're going to formulate for someone? Yeah, I guess my, like, the framework of my process looks a little bit like, you know, at first, you, I let the logical mind take control and, you know, you find what's the common complaint of mm-hmm. this uh, person or animal. And then, of course, finding the plants that are helpful in that situation mm-hmm. based on their physical actions and constituents and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have to consider contraindications. Um, so, safety. Uh, are they taking medication? Uh, what's their, uh, their constitution? Are they hot, cold? You know, mm-hmm. how do these herbs kind of play, play a role in that whole party? And then once the logical brain, you know, does its thing and sometimes it'll have its tantrums and, you know, want to go down certain rabbit holes. When I feel okay with all of that, I'll let, you know, the more intuitive part come out. Mm. And that's where, that's where the fun happens. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, paying attention to what plants come up. Like when you're in a conversation with this person, also, when you are, you know, thinking about them, thinking about their situation, just what plants come up. Mm-hmm. And it could be, you know, something totally out there. And, you know, just shot it down. You never know. Right. Now or in the future. Yeah. So, formulation, like, for me, it's such a great balance of, you know, work and play mm-hmm. and coming from a place of compassion, empathy as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, intent for whoever the formula is intended for. So, yeah, and then, you know, in that space, and this part looks different for everyone. I mean, we have rituals when we go into the space, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's entirely people. And that looks like however it looks for you and, you know, the plants and your ancestors, too. So, you know, often we find ourselves doing that, the things that our ancestors totally vibe with which mm-hmm. is, well, at first it's like oh my god what what where did that come from but right <laughs> after a while it's like oh, okay you make sense of it and then it's, it's all good i love that you said the it's work and play that's the dream yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I found I found some of it in formulation. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs>
My last question is just what can we do? What can anyone do who's interested in practicing and in incorporating plants and herbs? I mean, I know that you mentioned cooking and, you know, for me, an example of that would be like my Italian ancestry, like herbs, looking at those herbs as what is what is part of my my roots <laughs> yes. for me that's like one of the ways that i've looked at this in my own life what what else i know like you said there's so many different ways and types of medicines that you can use and yeah enlighten mm-hmm. us yeah i mean you know i would say first step is just to please just do it mm. and just just do it take the leap take the step like take the crawl like whatever it looks like for you just do it and you know see where it goes from there and um you know when you get to a place where you're like i don't know how to i don't know where to go call it in um you know get get freaky talk to the plants and be like yo like what do we do <laughs> um and you know be curious and allow yourself to be curious with this i find you know when i am talking with people who are interested or you know even in the space of teaching mm-hmm. a lot of people don't allow themselves to mm. be curious and you know there's that big block and it's like no to remind yourselves that this is for us this is us and we have a right to these practices and we have a right to know these practices and it's okay Mm. it's totally safe and you know you just you just gotta do it i feel like some avenues to is to explore you know your own roots Mm -hmm. your own ancestry and like you said, like start with the foods mm-hmm. and research about the herbs, um, why it was used in the cooking, like mm-hmm. is it available or, um, you know, are there deeper meanings to it? There's a lot of stories and symbolism in the plants that are used for cooking. And tap into that as well as, you know, the space that you're into, the land that you occupy, like explore the plants that are used in the land that you're on and how the people of the land that you're on have worked with the plants and their relationship with them too but yeah start small it's it's not rocket science um it's super this place is super awesome (laughs) 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 Um, you're gonna run into some you know some blocks some you know opportunities to heal yeah yeah like we talked about but you know just 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 keep moving forward and whatever that looks like i mean it's a whole process a whole learning process of herbalism of practicing herbalism of of receiving herbalism like healing is so non-linear and and that's totally okay just do what you got to do for yourself and you know First, be mindful. Don't perpetuate harm on you or others or the plants. But at the same time, just go do it. Go explore. Love it. Yay. Love it. <laughs> a great, a great end note. Do you have anything else that you want to add? You know, at the moment, no. Thank you 
so much yeah for this conversation um thank you super fun and you know what you're doing i think is fantastic and i know it could be so weird to step make that step yeah. especially with the uncertainty and thank you thank you <sighs> that is it for our conversation with caitlin i hope everybody enjoyed and felt so nourished by this conversation as i did you know the drill be sure to Follow us on Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, whatever floats your boat. Make sure you're signed up for the pre-launch mindset preview announcements, which you will get if you are subscribed to our wait list. The link is in the description. Have a great week. Go commune with some plants. Bye, everybody.